Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Fuji Love Podcast. This is the show all about the Fujifilm camera system and the photographers who love to use them. And of course, this show is brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things related to the Fujifilm X series, GFX cameras, head on over to Fujilove.com. My guest this week is Joey Spidoni. He is a regular contributor to the Fuji Love magazine, and he is an amazing photographer. Uh, we had him on last year, uh, actually back when I uh, first started. This is going a little bit longer than a year ago. Isn't that right? Yeah, time flies, though. Oh, my goodness, it does. Uh, Joe, Joey, it's Awesome to have you back on the show, man. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to, to be here and to chat uh, with you today. So the last time we spoke, uh, it was, um, you were just, I, b- I believe you were just starting out with your journey with the X100V. Uh, it, it had just been, I mean, relatively new purchase and you had uh, pretty much sold or put aside your previous gear in favor of the one camera and you have been on an ongoing journey with it since then. Uh, How has that journey been going? Well, the journey's been going uh, really well and that was a good summation of it. You know, I was the kind of person who, you know, I worked as a professional photographer. I had gear coming out of my eyes and I always looked longingly at these sort of minimalist photographers, people who could make, you know, so much out of so little. And so when I made a career change, I decided to sell off all my gear, go with one camera, minimalism, one uh, piece of, of equipment. And as you said, it's been two years where I've really been focused just on using the X100V. Uh, and I've been taking pictures that that have been really important to me, pictures I'm really proud of. And so it's been going really well. And how has the, have you bought, bought any accessories with it? I think in your YouTube uh, video, you mentioned you uh you could use the the wide angle or the telephoto converter but have you yourself uh played with those to kind of give yourself some extra uh focal lengths so it's a great question mark i i have uh used the two converters and and they are you know very helpful you you get a little bit wider you get a little bit tighter but honestly the type of photography that i'm really trying to go after is really just embracing that fixed 35 f2 lens and so in some respects i tend to shy away from the adapters and and really just try to uh, be flexible as a shooter so you know if i need to be you know in a situation where i'm shooting a little bit wider i try to use my feet i tried to back up i try to recompose if i'm taking portraits you know rather than using an adapter i try to get closer i try to talk to the subject so that's really the, the type of work i've been focusing on is really making the most out of just that 35 f2 Ah, the old-fashioned way, yeah. <laughs> the old-fashioned zoom lens. Um, that's awesome, Ben. And, and so, uh, what what have you been uh, photographing uh, as of as of late? 
Yeah, you know, I've been really focused on this idea of meaningful photographs. And I think that, you know, there was a time when I would shoot for clients and, you know, the meaningful photograph, of course, was the photograph they'd pay for. It was the photograph they had hired me to take, you know, whether it was a decisive moment at an event or some type of, uh, you know, goal during a during a, a playoff hockey game. But for me now, as I think about meaningful photographs, it's photographs that are meaningful to me, to my family, to my friends, to people who enjoy my work. And so, you know, especially during a global pandemic, moments that, you know, we used to just take for granted. Now we start to see that, you know, interactions with other people and going places suddenly becomes uh, something that we really value much more highly. And so bringing a camera with me to document kind of the everyday, ordinary life that we used to take for granted is something I'm really focused on. And I'm hoping to kind of put some work together into a book in the future. But, you know, for me, it's these meaningful photographs of of everyday ordinary life uh, that's really kind of uh, keeping me motivated at this time. So you're mostly focused on uh, just kind of a reportage uh, people photography, right? Yeah, I really love taking pictures of people, but I'm also really into this sort of observational photography. You know, yeah. I think that sometimes just the the most basic sort of, you know, leaf on the ground or, you know, the, the play of light across, you know, a, a field, you know, on the side of the road, little things like that, that, you know, you, if you're going a million miles an hour, sort of daydreaming through your life, you'll miss. But if you slow down and kind of embrace this sort of mindful approach to living, you have your camera in hand, you try to capture those moments. I found that to be uh, something that, you know, creatively has been really fascinating for me. You know, back when I had the X100, uh, the, the the various incarnations, I think uh, going back to the, the very first X100, I remember doing um, uh, a, a trip up north in, into the White Mountains uh, this, this is in New Hampshire and we were kind of all over the place as far as, uh, different locations, different waterfalls that we can, uh, we can hike to. And we, we kept it easy because we wanted to hit up uh, a number of locations. And, you know, this was just one day that we, we all had, uh, me and this group and part of the fun, uh, I had was kind of stepping away from doing the the landscape photography uh, and back in those days I was using my canon for uh for for those shots but instead I grabbed the the X100 I did some landscape shots with the X100 it was easy enough mm. but what I had more fun with is photographing everybody taking photographs and, and getting those candid moments uh, with, with the X100. So there is something to that camera that just uh, j- just fits so well into that kind of uh, scenario to, to just kind of capture spice of life. And uh, so, so with your journey in particular, uh, you, you've had a couple years of uh, doing this. Um, how much do you alternate between uh, kind of like, uh, you know, photographing family, friends, uh, photographing 
scenery you know what 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 has been your experience uh, and what have you favored uh during this time and again it could i'd imagine it changed during the seasons and all that jazz yeah no absolutely and i i think that that's a, a great story about your adventure up north with the waterfalls and in some respects you know a, a great mentor of mine always uh, says the essence of life is in relationships and i think that you having that opportunity with the x100 to sort of turn the camera you know away from the beautiful scenery and towards the people you were with i'm sure in some respects those photographs are you know as memorable as the beautiful vistas you were looking at because it was the people that you were with it was the experience and i think for me photographically it's really trying to take pictures that are going to sort of stand the test of time right i think of a great example is you know when we finally got a chance to visit my 95 year old grandmother after she'd been completely in isolation during the pandemic for 16 months and her first hug with my sister. And I was right there with my X100V and I didn't plan on taking this photo, but when it happened, it was such a, such a heartfelt moment. And, and I'm very proud of that photograph. And, you know, will it be on the cover of National Geographic? No, but among my family, among my friends, it's a, it's a very meaningful photograph. So, you know, it's not so much just taking pictures as, you know, somebody needs a headshot for something. And although that, is very fun and very meaningful. It's really trying to grab those those fleeting moments that you know might pass us by, and trying to spin it into some type of project to something that I, I'm sort of uh, wrestling with right now. Yeah. Now, how w- w- have you primarily just focused on family photos, uh, or, or you know, within uh, confines of family? Like, what what are, what are some of the exercises you you did to uh, first, get yourself accustomed to just one camera. Um, like, how how was that transition uh, at, at the start when you did get the X one hundred V? Absolutely, and I I do have to say that for me it really was a bit of a circle. And so, kind of before I was a professional photographer, back when I was in school, I had a X one hundred S. And so I kind of shot with that camera, really learned photography on that camera. So when I sort of grew up and and got an X-Pro2 and started buying lenses and and using other equipment, in the back of my mind, I would always sort of remember when I just had the X100S. So as I was, you know, making this change, uh, you know, with my career and and getting rid of the gear and and jumping into the X100V, I sort of had to almost put on like the old hat that I had worn back in school. So I sort of had it there. It was like riding a bike, sort of getting it back on. But really, I think one of the key things, and if anybody who's listening to this is, you know, contemplating using an X100 series camera or really thinking about, you know, trying to have less gear and and focusing on sort of working with one piece of equipment, I think that an important thing I want to share is, at least for me, embracing the constraints and sort of allowing myself to be frustrated is a really, really important part of the journey because... I'm not going to sit here and and pretend, and I I say this in my video as well, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's not like every single time you pick up the X100V, it takes magic. I mean, there there are obviously limitations with the camera, but I think understanding those limitations and finding ways to work around them tends to be where my creativity really explodes. And really, it's it's oftentimes those photographs where I've kind of confronted an, an issue like, it's just not wide enough, or I'm just not close enough, or I just can't open the aperture big enough to let in enough light, or I have to be creative with the camera. And that's helped me as a photographer really grow and my portfolio grow as I'm sort of constantly pushed outside my comfort zone to use the, the camera in new ways than maybe it wasn't intended to be used. 
So to answer your question, what am I doing to sort of, you know, be able to use that camera better? I would say it's a hold it every day, shoot with it every day, even things that seem pretty basic, but lean into the the sort of constraint that comes with a camera like the X100V. And you'd be surprised, creatively, you may come up with some really great shots. So after using it for this long, um, do you do any kind of uh, professional uh, work with your X100? Uh, and by professional work, I mean just anything that would uh, generate an income, I would say. Like, do you do portrait work? Do you do any kind of um, uh, customer relation work with, with, with that camera? Well, Mark, this may sound like blasphemy to, to, to the listeners, the Fuji love listeners, but I've actually turned down work. So I'm in my final year of law school and I am, uh, you know, kind of turning the page and moving in a new direction. And for me, and, and this is, you know, may not be true for others, but just for me personally, I have really tried to embrace photography as art. And of course, being a professional photographer it is art. And I don't mean in any way to, to uh, speak disparagingly of those who work professionally. But for me, I found that if I was using the camera uh, as a source of, of money you know, generation, it was for me personally detracting from my capacity to pursue the different artistic projects that I was most passionate about. So yeah. for me, it's really more about books. It's about contributing to my blog, to social media, to my portfolio, putting together different shows, trying to work with students and those who are interested in learning about photography but really less so about um, kind of the client work and the portraits that I used to do. Right on. Where, where you, remind me again, where are you going to law school? Uh, so I'm down at the University of Massachusetts School of Law in my final year. Oh, God. Yeah, that's right. You're, you're like lit, almost literally down the street from me. Um, yeah. <laughs> we still have to do that beer one time. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, now that everything is, uh, where, whereabouts is that? Um, it's down uh, by New, you know, New Bedford. It's it's a little clo- It's a little ways away from uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Right on. Yeah, I'm just north of Boston. We'll have to get into the city one day and just have a drink after the holidays. Absolutely, that'd be great. Right on. And um, how how much longer do you have on on, on that law degree? Uh, just one more semester. Hopefully, if I can survive the the final exams that I find myself in right now, it'll be one last semester, and then, then the bar, and then hopefully uh, on onto the future. Mental note: ask for free legal advice. <laughs> um, I'll just uh, stick this in. Do not open until. <laughs> um, that's awesome, man! Congratulations and. Uh, yeah, it, it, man, it's been a while. I, I totally forgot that you were you you were nearby. Uh, for some reason, I thought you were in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, boy, was I off by a little. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's funny how you say how you know I came on uh, at the you know when you were sort of beginning your your uh, journey with this podcast, and and I was sort of beginning my journey in law school, and now here we are. You've been doing this for a long time, and and, and I'm kind of coming to the end of that journey. But you know, it's really interesting how. Uh, this sort of career change for me really opened up a whole new world of how I interacted with photography. And I wonder if there would be, you know, any of your listeners who this would resonate with where you know, you'd love to be a professional photographer, but maybe you're something else. And photography is, is a passion. It's a hobby. It's something that, you know, rejuvenates you. It's something you turn to for rest and relaxation and fun. And, you know, really getting into that after using photography as you know, the primary way that I made money, that transition 
to sort of photography as this passion was a really interesting kind of process for me. And I think it's a, a really amazing thing. And, and I'm curious, Mark, if you have this experience, because I know that you're, you shoot weddings and you, and you take a, a, you know, a lot of pictures, uh, such great pictures for your clients. Do you still also find ways to use photography as rest, as fun, yes. as passion? So it's, it's funny that you mentioned this. Um, uh, my journey with the X100 uh, did not go off as romantically as yours. Uh, I had, uh, that, that great honeymoon period with the camera, but then something just didn't click right. Uh, and hmm. I, I gave it up so that I could get the XE4 and, and give that a try because I think what was happening is that the, the focal length was, was just not there for me. Hmm. Um, but the need for a separate camera I think was calling to me uh, that to, to help me keep my sanity while uh, on, on the one hand, you know, do the, the wedding photography, the, the work photography, and then I needed something else to handle the fun photography. Right. And uh, when I got the XE for the primary reason why I bought it, at least I told myself was that I needed it to be kind of like a, redundant camera for my uh for my system so i had an x pro 2 i had a xt3 uh, that i was using for photography i really didn't have anything else that was kind of in that i could rely on in case anything broke down mm-hmm. um and, and so the, the i bought the xc4 but shortly after buying the xc4 the xt3 went on this ridiculous sale around 4th of July. And I was like, you know, it would make more sense if I just get another XT, XT3. <laughs> so I send back the XT, uh, XE4, buy the XT3, and I, like, like I literally call my uh, camera company as I'm driving to a wedding saying, hey, do you have this? You do? Great. Hold on. Hold it. I'll be there in 15 minutes. Wow. <laughs> Pick it up, grab it, and then head off to the wedding and, and uh, to, to do my thing. And, um, and and so after that day, it was my two X-T3s that became my primary camera. My X-Pro2 became my, you know, my, my backup camera. And man, did I regret it. I, mm. there was just something calling to me about that XE4 that was like, it, it, it was just that perfect fit. I could make it as big as I want with a L bracket, or I can make it as small as I want by just removing the L bracket, removing the leather case that I had for it. And it was, it left a hole in me. Like, I, I didn't realize how much, uh, how much it uh, impacted me uh, just using it for that uh, little amount of time. So I said that if I had the opportunity, I will buy it again. And at this point, you know, everything is pretty much out of stock because of the chip shortages and everything. Right. And so I'm thinking the next one I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy it with a 27 millimeter lens 
with it. I won't buy just the the camera alone. Maybe that's why I, I sent it back. Maybe that's, you know, I, I had a lot of reasons. <laughs> and then I saw on B&H that, and this is after about a, a month and a half, um, B&H had an XE4, a used XE4 that went back on sale. Um, it didn't have the 27 millimeter, but I'm like, you know what? I, I, I'm not seeing this on hit, hitting the shelves anytime soon. I'm, I'm just going to get it. <clears throat> and, um, uh, and so I did, and I'm kind of curious. I, I wish I had the serial number of the one that I sent back to B&H, but I'm <laughs> curious if I, uh, if I had purchased back my, uh, camera that I sent back to them. <laughs> So, so you have your hands on an XE4, correct? I have my hands on an XE4, and uh, uh, I have not let this go. Uh, for the most part, it has. I used the 35 millimeter f2 mm-hmm. on it, and uh, sometimes I'll throw my 35 uh, 1.4 on it, and it's been it's been awesome. Like I I just feel like this is the camera that is there with me every day. This is my play camera. This is the one that I use for family photos. This is the one that I use for uh, just going out. Um, Just this past weekend, I I had a wedding up in the White Mountains. And as I'm driving to the venue, I had ample time. Like I I left super early when I didn't have to be there until like 2 p.m. But my intention was just, just to go out into the into into the woods to grab some uh you know if there was any waterfalls um nearby you know just to grab a couple and what ended up happening was as i drove up north um i'm in the franconia notch area and it's just this beautiful winter uh snowstorm not uh, kind of like it's just a big snowfall i wouldn't say it's a storm per se it was easy to to drive through. It, there was no like big danger, but the snow was piling up, and it was nice to uh, pull over in, into one of the uh, trails that they had uh, off the side of the highway. Uh, Franconia Notch has a lot of places where you could pull off to the side and you know just go on a nice little. Uh, hike and and in this particular place i was at a location called the basin and it was just amazing wonderland Uh, all there were there were just locals walking their dogs um very few and far between uh did did i see people and it was just so much fun just to to walk around with this camera uh in retrospect i should have brought a tripod but uh (laughs) i managed um Got some great waterfall photos. I got some great, just wintry shots. It, it, it was just so much fun, and, and that was like the the highlight for for me that day. That gave me such a, a nice charge, uh, a great feeling, and like I went into the the wedding that I photographed later, uh, just a few hours later, just supercharged, and um, it, it was just a lot of fun. Um, the funny thing is, by the time I got to my venue, I, I had to from the basin. I had to travel. Um, I had to travel west to towards. Uh, I'm sorry, I had to travel east towards 
the Crawford Notch location. And the closer I got to the venue, the less snow there was. And all of a sudden it was just uh, Arctic wind and uh, just nothing on the ground. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was expecting winter wonderland for the bride and groom, but nope, it was just really, really cold. But the venue was nice and cozy. It was a, a place called the Notch Land Inn, which if anybody's in the Crawford Notch area, I highly recommend people going there because it is beautiful and it's nice and cozy. The food is fantastic. And they have the two cutest dogs there that kind of watch over the place. <laughs> it is awesome. Like, so yeah, that was my experience, but to long story short, uh, or as I should recap at this point, um, it was, uh, th- there's just something about that one camera that you favor above all others. Um, you know, my XC4 isn't as strong as the XT3. I, I know I could probably go crazier with, uh, uh, X pro three, but. I wanted something that's uh, simple, affordable, and uh, it, it just it it just sang to me, and it still does. I love it. <laughs> it's that's awesome, Mark. And I, I feel like you're talking about one of my you know one of what I think is one of the most important camera features: the take it with you factor, right? Yes. The camera that you are willing to take with you. And I find that I remember having cameras that used to rot in my camera bag. And yet say to myself, I need this, right? If I'm going out on a job or if I have something, I of course need this. But if I'm not going to take it with me out with my friends or take it with me on that hike or take it with me to, you know, photograph a a snowy waterfall like you did, then what good is it to me? And so for that kind of companion document your life camera, if it doesn't have a take it with you factor, then it's going to fall short. And it sounds like the, the XE4 is that camera for you. Yeah, I, I I play dress up with it. It's 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 just it's funny. <clears throat> today you'll be wearing the L bracket. Eh, today I think you're gonna go formal. Let's put on that leather case. <laughs> Let's put on the thumb grip and the 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 half shutter button. Um, it's uh, it's a problem I have. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> wow. Uh, but, but I think the XE4 kind of poses a very interesting um, conundrum for the the X100V sort of acolytes such as myself, which is now with the new and improved 2728 Prime, can you approximate the X100 experience with a camera like an XE4 with the new 27? And given your experience with the XE4, do you think that the XE4 with the new 27, with its weather sealing and its uh, aperturing, comes close to the X100V, uh, or do you have any thoughts on that? So I don't own the 27 millimeter, but I am borrowing it as of right now from Fujifilm. Mm. Um, they they lent it to me for uh, for for this month, and I have to say, in the daytime. It is an amazing lens when you have sufficient light. Where it struggles is that last stop of light. Mm. Um, when you are in a dimly lit place, the, the F2 is nice. You could still capture a great sharp image. 
not so much with the the, the the 27 and it's not to say that it's 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 a bad photo you're just getting a better photo with the f2 mm. and so in that respect the the x100 has it has it beat but the the compactness that you get from this pancake lens uh it, it is it is nice to, to make your camera small it's yeah. uh uh it's very cool and, and the image quality that you get when you are in uh good lighting situations or even subpart uh image situations your detail is amazing like the glass is just superb but again like if you're in really tough situations then that's where it it will uh it will struggle your your um xc4 will tend to go into the higher uh iso modes which i don't mind because it looks like film grain right uh but if it needs to drop that shutter down, then that's where it's going to kind of struggle mainly because my hands are not that steady. Um, so that is partly on me. Um, <clears throat> why the, the images are not great in, in tough lighting conditions. Um, but you know, I mean, it, it it's not, pretending it's something that it's not it's it's an f 2.8 lens and it's a it's a very small tight lens it's (laughs) it's it is what it is um and at a great price um the it it just so happens that the the x100 is uh just one stop better Absolutely. No, I, I, it does have that extra stop. And also, I think that although it seems really small, 23 versus 27, I, I just find the 27 millimeter just a little bit harder to work with. I, I don't feel like it has the same flexibility, but that may just come from, you know, comfort. I've used the, the X100 so much at this point, but I have had the chance to, to play around with the new 27 uh, on an X Pro. And, you know, it gets really close. If you were to just look at it, I feel like it's really similar. But I think you hit the nail on the head, Mark, where when it comes down to image quality and you're really looking at at the, the files generated from an X100 versus a, a Fuji camera with the new 27, I really do think the, the X100 kind of comes out ahead. And whether it's that it's just a little bit wider or you have that extra stop, additionally, you can autofocus a fair bit closer for so for those type of like macro shots. You know, there's just a bunch of different uh, environments that the X100 is going to shine in where the 27, although it might look like a really good competitor, I think comes up a little short, but it's it's pretty cool. I think for someone who has a robust kit with a lot of different lenses and wants to be able to have a lens to toss on there and head out the door without being encumbered by a very heavy bag of equipment. So I think it has a, a pretty good use case. When we're talking about macro photography, the X100 is an amazing camera for, mm. for, for macro because I believe partly it's, it's designed to do um, macro. I remember the earlier... Uh, X100s had a special button to turn it into a macro camera, uh, and, and now it's in it's automatic um, on the X100s. And <clears throat> when I was photographing weddings with, with the X100V, it was that was my go-to camera for uh, for for the macro stuff. Like if I'm photographing rings or 
you know, you know, up close stuff with like uh, watches or, or, or coins or anything like that. That was the camera the, that I would use. And it was amazing mm. uh, with the X uh, w- with the X E four or X T three in particular uh, the lens that I will use for macro because I don't have a macro lens. Uh, I'll, I'll tend to use the, uh, 23 millimeter f2 for for that and it comes close to what i was able to do with the uh closeness that that the x100 was able to do uh comes close uh and it, and it it's image quality is, is the same but i i think i was able to get closer with the x100 uh than the the xt3 and uh, 23 millimeter lens. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, it was really good. That's, uh, uh, and again, I'm not much of a macro photographer. Like I won't get a macro lens because, um, it's literally just one. Um, I keep using that word. I apologize. Um, I, I, one moment in in a wedding is when I'll use the the um, macro lens, and, and so I think the twenty three millimeter is good enough for for capturing that. Um, I'll tell you what though, the new thirty three one point four. Oh boy, that <laughs> is a lens. That it, right now I'm trying that as well. And that's been living on my XC for 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 uh, a little while now, and that is just an amazing piece of glass. Wow! The detail, the color. Oh my god! It is just such a godsend. It is a beast. It purrs, I think, <laughs> and um, and so the I'm waiting. For for a delivery to come in tomorrow um as of this recording tomorrow uh, i am waiting to get a stop down lens because uh, i have a pro mist filter that i want to use on on this lens i have a pro mist filter that's made for my uh, 35 millimeter and and I, i need to stop it down so that it would uh fit the the 33 millimeter and just go out and do some night photography with uh lights and um with all the christmas lights going up i think it would just be amazing yeah that would be great i i know that that lens sounds uh amazing i think being able to shoot that wide open and getting so much light in there i just think would would make such a, a great portrait and i uh, did you get a chance to get any pictures at that wedding with that new lens? Yes. And because the inn was such a small place, that was my, essentially became my telephoto lens and, and my portrait lens. Mm. And it was, mm, it was uh, the, the detail, the, the, the sharpness and the, the softness of the bokeh, just amazing. Uh, it, it was able to, just bring out the film simulation colors so much, so much better. Like it, it was, 
it was so much fun to play with that lens. <laughs> and and uh, I, I got a few more weeks with it. So, um, yeah, I, with, with all the crisp. You know, this is something that you should really try uh, with your X100. I bet if you got a like a quarter uh a quarter pro mist uh filter or like a half strength uh pro mist filter like you you will you will have some fun with that uh with that camera and, and going out into the night like whether it's a downtown scenery um or or going into the city with 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 the neon lights or you know street lights it just gives those lights an extra oomph and, and i remember having the pro mist filter on my x100 back when i did own it and, and i ended up giving that away with selling it um it has a great home now <laughs> um but it, it was a lot of fun uh shooting with the pro mist filter um i i don't use it professionally but I do use it for, you know, any kind of street photography that I'm doing. And, and it just adds a little kick. It's like putting a horseradish on your food. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds like a, uh, a great suggestion. Thank you. You know, I'm curious, Mark, did you ever have an opportunity to shoot with the Miticon for Fuji, the, the 35.95 lens? No, I... I... I uh, I don't know if I'd be good at it because that's a manual focus lens, right? It is a manual focus lens. And I just think that it would be such an interesting comparison with uh, the new Fuji uh, Prime that you were just discussing with the Miticon. Because, of course, if you take the, the whole autofocus component off the table and really just looked at the shallow depth of field and the way that it, uh, you know, sort of approached portraits, I feel like that would be a great comparison between the two. I've been toying with the idea of getting some... Uh manual focus lens like the uh, what what are the big ones the voigtlander has has a new one that's that's coming out or or is already out at depending on when somebody is listening to this um there's a bunch of really inexpensive ones on bnh that you can grab uh that are that, that look interesting it look they look like good character lenses that you could use for street photography. And I'm intrigued. Um, I haven't pulled the trigger on actually ordering one. Uh, if anybody has any suggestions out there, uh, you know, send them my way. Fujilovefeedback at gmail.com. Uh, I am curious. I, I do want to, to start experimenting with that. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I've actually had a chance to use a, a fair number of them, you know, back back uh, a little while ago before this kind of recent um, approach to photography that I've had. But, you know, uh, Seven Artisans has a great one. Uh, I think Leola has a great one. That's uh, the one I was thinking of, Seven Artisans. And the Seven Artisans ones, I mean, if you can pull together, I think it's like $70. Of course, you have to manually focus. But there's, there's something about uh, that lens that, you know, as we talk about the 27 uh, prime, it's a extremely small pancake. And the thing that I found is with a lot of these lenses, if you go into it thinking they're going to compete with the Fuji lenses, you're going to be disappointed because the Fuji lenses are amazing. The color, the sharpness, the clarity, it's going to blow it away. But if you lean into the distortion, if you lean into the, the imperfection of these manual focus, cheaper lenses, 
you can get some really cool looks. And you know, earlier, Mark, you were talking about the uh, Fuji film simulators, and I think pairing a film simulator with one of these distorted lenses can get, uh, like, kind of almost remind you of a kind of a film photography look. It can be a really fun thing to do uh, on the side. Yeah, it's kind of like how everybody treats the 35 uh, 1.4. It's, it's a character lens. Um, although the 35 has a little bit extra going for it. But um, but yeah, I, 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 don't, I, I see what you mean. It, it's, it, it's definitely it piqued my interest. And I want to give it a try. Um, I just haven't. Just haven't done it yet. I'll probably pick one up after the uh, holiday season. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, maybe I'll. Who who would I get in touch with, uh, Voigtlander, to to see if I can borrow? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> because uh, I'll tell you this: it's that that is a sexy lens that they just made. Mm. Uh, it, it does. You know, there's just something about those manual lenses that, you know, they either look beat up and look awesome or they look so, so mechanical. And it's kind of like a fine, uh, a fine watch that, that such precision and, um, you know, that kind of character that, that draws me to it. Absolutely. And I, I think that there are, you know, some people who, you know, would potentially criticize uh, a Fuji film user for caring how the camera looks. But I, I very strongly um, oppose that position because I think having a camera that has a certain look, whether it's a retro look or just um, kind of reminds you of, a, of a, an earlier kind of iteration of, of gear, I think it can sort of add to the identity that you have as a photographer in a given setting. And I would imagine that you would have had this experience many times, Mark, in the different wedding settings. I mean, I've been in those settings with a, you know, a Canon full frame and a giant 70 to um, to 200 and shooting in these different events versus being there with a small camera like an X100V. And the way you interact with people is very different. And so when you mention these uh, these lenses that have sort of almost like that look like a, a really nice watch, I think that really goes into your identity and, and the sort of identity you portray when you're working with uh, subjects in the whole portrait and event photography space. See, I've come to terms with uh with with all of this and i i have a great analogy for it um it, it the 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 love we have for the looks of our cameras is no different than admiring a great car mm. like we can admire a sports car and look under the hood and say oh my god look at this look at you know how many cylinders it has you know the the speed the 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 the, the smoothness of the ride uh, or we can go into admiring the the functionality, like a great pickup truck that has amazing torque that can uh, you know just just get beat up and you know just take on the harshest terrain while while lugging you know a ton of gear and and, and you know your, your big huge load and being able to get the job done. Each one of those has its own distinct beauty to it and uh and it's all of it can be equally admired um and so that goes the same with the cameras like the the beauty about fujifilm is that yes the 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 knobs and the dials and everything 
everybody always talks about how retro it is. And I say, you know, the, the, the retro stuff is not necessarily retro, but functional. Mm-hmm. It is, it's not there just for the looks like, you know, being able to switch everything, you know, on, on a dial, it, it's convenient. It, everything is all in front street and, and ready for you to switch it out. And, uh, you, you know, just on the fly, make your changes and, and you're, you're good to go for your next shot or, you know, or, or whatever. That is amazing. That is functionality. That is beauty. That is art. And, and they, they mesh it all well together. I mean, there's a reason why we have used this for decades upon decades. <laughs> it's because it worked. <laughs> and uh, only until recently that, the, the, you know, we start hiding things in menus and knobs, you know, you know, dials and, and buttons. Um, and, and there's a reason why it's such a amazing feeling for it to, to come out uh, again and, and why, uh, you know, it just works. It's, it's not just looks, uh, because if, if it was just looks, you know, you know, using it would be a, a nightmare. Uh, but you know, it's, 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 a, it's, it's amazing to use. <laughs> it's, you know, you, when you are out there using the X 100 and just being able to, you know, flip that ISO, you know, you just, click the aperture, you know, you switch from, uh, you know, from a shallow depth of field to something uh, wider so that you could get that landscape, you know, it's, it feels good. And you did it in like three seconds without even thinking about it. It's uh, I, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. And I, I think that's an excellent way to put it, Mark. I guess I hadn't really thought of it that way, but it's so commonsensical. I can't believe I, I didn't think of it that way, but you're right. It is. It is. That's the beauty about it. You don't have to think about it, and that's that's the genius behind it. Right on, and and this idea of uh, even with say the ISO dial. I mean, coming from an X Pro too, where you had to sort of lift up the ISO, turn it a couple of places, put it back down, lift it back up. Seeing the kind of improvement that Fuji made between that iteration of the ISO dial to what they currently have on the X100V has been great because now you lift it up, you can sort of just spin it really quickly, get it where you need it to go. And to your point, being able to do that, you know, in just three seconds can make all the difference when there's a decisive moment and you need to make a change. Yeah, that was a good improvement. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the X-Pro too. That was, that was rough. Um, But yeah, it's all good. I ended up selling my X-Pro too. Um, I, uh, I I gave it a great home. I gave it to a buddy of mine who uh, was a Sony shooter, and uh, I I I turned him to the dark side. He is now a Fuji photographer. Well done. You're you're living up to the Fuji love name by by converting Sony users to Fuji users. Ah, oh, one step at a time, <laughs> one person at a time. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, he um he is. Uh, an amazing landscape photographer. Um, uh, his name is Matt Hoffman and, uh, anybody look him up, uh, he, he on Instagram, uh, he just does such great landscape photography. And then he kind of, uh, busted up one of his cameras on a, uh, biking trip. And, and I was like, you know, I don't need this camera. 
I could, you know, sell it to him really cheap. Um, and just, you know, my, you know, I do have an XT two. I have an XT one. I, I have my XE four. You know, I, it was like fate was telling me, it's like, it's okay to let go. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did, um, I, 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 I got it over to him and, uh, yeah, it, it's been great. Just seeing the stuff that he's been doing right now, um, is tremendous. And, and I, I, I know that this is just scratching the surface as to what he could do. Um, cause I've seen the stuff he could do on the iPhone. I've seen the stuff that he got published in, uh, different magazines. It, it's yeah, it, it, it's awesome. But this is about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I'm going off on many tangents here, um, dude. Like, so tell me, you know, you you've been using this camera for a while. Um, do you see yourself continuing with this uh, process? Do you see yourself? Uh, kind of changing up the camera to see if you're up for a different challenge or, or is it straight up X 100 for life? Well, as of right now, it's X 100 for life. And, and in some respects, I think it really comes down to the year two leap for me. And I'm a big sports fan. And so I, uh, I love football and I love how different football analysts talk about when they're evaluating quarterback prospects and then quarterback rookies, can they make the year two leap? So the second year in the NFL, can their production grow? Can they throw more touchdowns? Can they have less turnovers? And so being able to make this second year leap, I think is really important. And as I look at what it's like to use a piece of camera equipment, I found that the photographs I was taking with the X100V in my first year, you know, I was very happy with them. And that was back when we did our first interview. I was obviously very happy. But as I continued to sort of refine my understanding of what the camera could do, what it couldn't do, what I could do successfully with the X100. I saw that ultimately the X100V and I were able to kind of take that second year leap. And the photographs that I'm taking now, I'm, I'm a lot happier with. I feel like they're a lot truer to the vision that I want to have as a photographer. And so being able to see that type of improvement just is evidence for me that I don't really want to change it up. I want to continue to invest in the X100V and see where else it can take me. You know, in some respects, I remember back when I had the, you know, the X100S, I was very fortunate to be able to travel to um, Death Valley. And I was there with somebody who had a, a very robust camera system with, you know, a wide angle lens and all these different things. And they took, you know, hundreds of photographs while we were in Death Valley. And I only took a handful. And one of them is hanging on my wall right here to the, to the right of where I'm doing this interview. And it's a 23 millimeter F2, you know, type photograph from Death Valley. But it's, it's a photograph that I feel like only I could have taken with that one camera that I had in the location. So I sort of strayed away from that path uh, for many years when I had interchangeable lenses. And now that I'm back to that sort of minimalist photography, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to stay with it and, and uh, see where else it, it can take me. How, is there something that you want to tackle with the X100 that you have not been able to do just yet? Hmm. Is there something that you want to go photograph a, a place or uh, a, a type of photography style that you want to do? Um, Actually, yes. And this is really the challenge that I'm confronted with right now, which is I love portraiture. You know, we've talked about this earlier in the, in the interview, but 
back when I had the X-Pro2 and I, I shot with a number of, of great portrait lenses from Fuji, I loved taking pictures of people, loved taking pictures of portraits. But the X100V can't really get you what the 3514 can get you. It can't, it can't take a picture like the 5612. It just can't. So with the X100V, you sort of err more on the side of the environmental portrait. You sort of tell the story of the environment and the person in their proximity to their surroundings. But if you really want to get one of those sort of breathtaking portraits that you could take with, say, the, the 5612, how do you do that with the with the X100V? And there may be listeners who are laughing at me right now saying, that's impossible. You know, you're banging your head against the wall. But I'm, you know, I'm having an opportunity to photograph uh, a mentor of mine tomorrow before they head off on sabbatical. And I am bringing the X100V. And there's a part of me that sort of wishes that I, I had a camera with a, a great portrait lens. But, you know, I've, I've committed to this journey and I'm going to do everything that I can to walk away from that situation with a portrait that I'm really proud of. And so to answer your question, I think doing more portraiture, more artistic portraiture with the X100V that's a little bit less environmental and uh, a little bit different than what I've been doing is kind of the next challenge I want to tackle. I think you're going to rock it. I think, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, that, that is, that is very astute in that uh, you, you're right. The, the, you're not, doing a traditional uh, bokeh, you know, brilliant bokeh with, uh, you know, nice up close and personal photo. But I find that those photos can get boring. Um, I do love mixing it up with, uh, in my case, I, I tend to rely on the, the 35, but the 23 millimeter offers some, uh, you know, great focal lengths to, and, and it allows you to really tell a story with the portrait. So whatever you're going to do, man, I think you're going to, uh, you know, find a way to make that background and your subject, uh, you know, really sing. Um, I, there, there are a couple of photographers that have done really good portraiture with 35 millimeter uh, focal lengths. I can't think of their names at the moment. I'm having such a embarrassing brain fart right now. Um, I'll probably email you those uh, <laughs> at some point. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's, I, I think, I think you're going to do awesome, man. Um, you know, seeing your work right now, uh, you know, and, and your YouTube videos, it, it, it's, you have a great eye for, uh, for everything like you, between people and environment, it, it, it is, uh, you know, it's, it's good. You have a great balance between, uh, subject and foreground, uh, a background rather. And, and, you know, you just getting those nice candid moments. Um, I think, uh, everybody, should you know check out your work and, and you know what on top of that your your youtube channel uh man you you only have two videos man you gotta go you gotta do more <laughs> they, they, they the videos that you made are really well received and um i would in addition to doing uh you know keeping up with your 
X100 uh, work, I would I would seriously consider using the video side to to it because here here's the thing the, the and this is something that I do miss about the X100. You have the built-in ND filters that will now work with video and on on bright sunny days, you know, throw, you know, pop up those ND filters and uh you're you're back in business. Um and you're you know, you don't have as much to 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 lug around. Um I would invest in a rear view mirror for for the X100 so that if you're doing any kind of vlogging or anything like that that you can see yourself in the LCD screen. Um but and, and they're dirt cheap. They're like $12 that you could get on Amazon. But you know, the the video quality for the X100 and I've done a couple videos myself. It is really good. <laughs> I, I'm really impressed by it, um, and, and I would love to see more videos from you, man. You you, you have a you you have a gift, and um, I mean, yeah, well received stuff. Well, thank you. That's incredibly kind, and, and I really appreciate that. And, and you know, I want of, more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I've got something in the works right now, and so you know, hopefully, people can look forward to that, and then hopefully. You know, in in, uh, in the coming year, I'll I'll have more time. I'll be able to allocate more uh, more energy to that. But you know, the thing that I'm I'm so fascinated by is, and, and you're right, I've I've been very fortunate uh, that people have enjoyed the video. Is really how kind of subjective the the photographs we take are, and whether they're good or or not. You know, I, I don't know if you remember this, but back when you interviewed me the first time, uh, you told me that your your favorite photograph of mine that was in my portfolio was a certain photograph of an individual lone hiker walking through a, a snowy forest where they're sort of framed right in the bottom center of the frame. And I couldn't help but laugh to myself because that was a photograph that I had taken a long time ago, completely disregarded as a terrible photograph and left for dead, but later in life, revisited it, edited it and put it out there. And the fact that you really liked that picture told me so much. So you really helped me, Mark. You helped teach me a really important lesson, which is that we all have our own opinions on photographs, whether they're good, whether they're not good. And so I, I, too often I have friends who they look at how many likes their photographs get. Oh, does it have 100 likes, 1,000 likes? You know, does it have 25 million likes? You know, what, when do you decide that a, a photograph has you know, enough likes or a, a YouTube video that you put out? You know, when does it have enough uh, up thumbs or too many down thumbs, all of those different things. And I, I try to sort of ignore all of that and say to myself and to the people that I'm fortunate enough to work with, with in photography, I say a photograph is good if it makes somebody feel something and that somebody can be you. And so for me, it's if you take a photograph or Mark, if you're at a wedding and you take a picture of, of somebody at, at, at the wedding, maybe it's a little bit blurry, maybe it's a little bit off kilter, but if, if it's a photograph that somebody's going to treasure, it's going to make them happy. It's going to make them sad. It's going to make them feel something. For me, that's a successful photograph. And so it's nice that, you know, you appreciate the video. I really do appreciate that. But for me, it's 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 more that people see the photographs and it makes them feel something. And that's really the goal that I'm always striving for. Right on. And uh, as uh, to going back to your uh, uh, photograph, uh, yeah, of course, I love the photo. Uh, I lived it last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Uh, what 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 is that line that Kevin Mullins says? Um, uh, uh, 
photograph doesn't have to look good. It just has to be important. Um, so there are a number of photos that I, I take that I, you know, it looks like I missed the shot. Uh, it's, it's blurry. Um, but there's some, something about it that just says, you know, you know, just, just, just leave it in here. And, and, and more often than not, you know, the, the, the bride and groom will gravitate towards those photos that I, I thought were not great. Um, but everybody has their own inner story, inner monologue. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, they're, they're seeing the world through their own perspective and, and there's, I mean, they're experiencing life differently. So clearly they're seeing something uh, much different. And yeah, so you, you never know when uh, uh, a photo is going to uh, inspire uh, or, or, or delight or, or anything like that. Um, yeah, we just, we just need to put it out there. Um, but I mean, you know, some discretion. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it, it's, it's funny you mentioned the wedding because I, I was fortunate enough to be working with a, a second shooter at a wedding that I was photographing and, and they captured a photograph of the bride's father dancing and it was blurry and it was a little bit, you know, the composition was a little bit off and there's a strobe light in the background. It's not a, it's not the most pleasing photograph you've ever seen, but of course we included it in the portfolio because to us it meant nothing but we knew to them it was going to be a treasured gem and so it's really funny to your point where sometimes you take these pictures and you know they mean nothing to us but they they mean a lot to the people who are in them i've learned to appreciate some blurs um they i i think we've gotten caught up with you know details and sharpness and and you know we we are taking photos that are way too perfect in some cases. And, and this is, I think why I'm kind of gravitating towards like the, the manual photo uh, lenses and, and getting those quirky characters uh, in, in shots is because, you know, you know, back in the day, you know, blurry photos were a normal thing. Uh, they, they, the blur itself to, told, just as much of a story as the 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 person in the in the photo uh i i think we're missing that and i think it needs to come back in some respects um again there, there's a time and place for everything um do i know which which is going to be better no probably not i still have so much uh, there, there's just so much that i still don't know um you know just when you think you're making progress and, and you see, you know, around the corner and see that, uh, that, that wing of the library that you still haven't even tackled yet. <laughs> uh, so it's like, I, I mean, it, it's, you know, I, I jump in full, you know, feet first, you know, learn as much as I can still. Um, but yeah, it, it I, I think there's, I think there's a lot that we have lost uh, in this, uh, age of technology. And I, I think this is why there are so many people going back to film photography that are, you know, going back to, you know, the, the you know, older lenses and, you know, just, just trying to find 
older stuff. It's, um, you know, just something we kind of left behind that we're trying to, to recapture. I couldn't agree more, Mark. And, you know, one of my favorite photographers is William Albert Allard. And, you know, I'm very fortunate to have a, a book of, of his work. And some of my favorite photographs when he was out traveling are photographs that have blur, that are photographs that are imperfect. But in many respects, it's it's how he's telling the story of the people and the places that he visited. And so I, I very much agree with you. It makes me think about Fujifilm. Uh, and, and, I mean, with, with Fujifilm, the film simulations are amazing. I just wonder with, with them discontinuing so much film right now. Um, yeah, I kind of wonder what's going to happen to, to the film world. Uh, I, I, I know, it, you know, business reasons and financial reasons and, you know, all of that comes into play. Um, and, and of all the camera companies out there, Fujifilm has done a tremendous job in preserving the 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 spirit of the film in their film simulations. That that no other camera company is doing that. And, and God damn, do I wish that you know somebody would just take on like the the, the Kodak stuff because man, we need Kodachrome again. <laughs> I just want to shoot Kodachrome. <laughs> um, it's uh, you know the the I don't even know where I was going with that. We we I I just think we're we're losing things, um, and, and hopefully things aren't gone forever. Absolutely. And I, you know, I didn't have a lot of experience with film photography. So for me, it's all about looking forward to the future and the great things that Fuji, uh, Fuji is doing, but definitely fun to play with the film simulations. I love the film simulations. Um, it is, I, I have a whole bunch of custom film sims, uh, already programmed into my XE4. I don't have this on my other cameras it's only the xe4 that has the custom nostalgic negative uh, it has the custom kodachrome formula from uh fuji x weekly uh it has a couple different provia settings one for weddings and one for my own personal work um usually for landscapes um i haven't quite gotten the hang of velvia yet uh, Velvia is, uh, yeah, we, we, Velvia and I have history. We, we, we don't get along very well. <laughs> but anyway, man, I'm, I'm, I'm blabbering and blabbering. Um, tell me in, in all this time, how do you, how do you prefer to shoot? Do you do JPEGs or do you do, uh, raw f files? I shoot JPEGs. I, you know, I went through and I used uh, raw, you know, a little while ago, but I, I find that I can get pretty much everything that I want out of the JPEGs and I have smaller file sizes and, and it's, it's much more manageable for me. So uh, that's kind of the way that, that I shoot. I definitely understand why people would shoot uh, raw and, and, uh, and I see that the merit in that, but at least for the type of work that I'm doing at this time, JPEG is more than good enough. Favorite film sim. 
Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, gotta say Akros. I love Akros and kind of fell in love with it when they first uh, brought it over and I uh, use it all the time. Man, that, that is a great, yeah, I, I do have a custom Akros. What do you like? Do, do you do the red filter or do you just do plain Akros? Uh, I, I kind of play around with the, the, the three little options that they, that they give you there, but uh, they, they're all, they all have a little bit of a different flavor for uh, a different setting. Do you add any kind of like warm tone, cool tone to them? I don't. I do a lot of post-processing after the fact, but I, I find that yeah. Acros gets me a lot of the way there. And especially when you're kind of out and, and having fun, I think it's a great uh, jumping off point. Yeah, that's nice. Um, yeah, man, you know what? We, we got to, uh, after, you know, sometime in January, Let's let's make it a point to to meet up in the city. We're we're going to do some uh, street photography uh, one Saturday afternoon, and 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 then hit up the Silvertone uh, in Boston to get some beer. Uh, that's going to be tough for me coming all the way from Pennsylvania. I don't know if uh, no, absolutely that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, drive. Um, <laughs> Awesome. It's uh man, I don't even know if Silvertone is still open. Uh, it's been so long since I've been in the city. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we it, it it'll be fun uh, if it's not crazy cold outside. Uh, there's got to be one day where it's going to be okay. Um, dude, it's awesome talking to you, man. Tell the world where they can find you on the web. Absolutely, it was great talking to you as well, Mark. You know, people can check out my work at. Um, joeyspadoni.com and also uh, on Instagram, uh, just Joey Spadoni. Right on. You got to do this for me. Get a pro mist filter, uh, a quarter quarter pro, uh, black pro mist filter. It'll change your life. I most definitely will. Merry Christmas to me. <laughs> right on. <laughs> um, so, man, again, awesome talking to you, man. You have yourself, uh, you and your family, an amazing Christmas, and uh, we we will we will talk very soon. And uh, I'll probably uh, hit you up after the holiday, and uh, yeah, maybe we can we could do a cool video that will you know share what we did in the city, photograph the crap out of it, <laughs> and uh, um, all that jazz. Oh, that'd be so fun. Looking forward to it, Mark. Thanks again. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope to see you back next week. I wanted to also mention one more time that this is brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X-Series and GFX, head on over to fujilove.com. Subscribe today. And my name is Mark Sadowski. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter, mostly Instagram though. I'm at Mark Sadowski. That's Mark with a C. And you can also check out my other podcast, Xmark. It's a Fujifilm-esque kind of show where it's more spice of life and pretty infrequent. But if you want more of my voice, that's the place to check it out. Thank you for listening and we'll see you soon.